Hello and welcome to Gamer to Gamer. I'm your host, James Intricasso. This is a podcast where I interview pros in the gaming industry about their careers and the games they love to play. Today's guest is Ed Greenwood. Now, many of you know Ed is the creator of the Forgotten Realms. He invented the world before D&D came along. If you want to hear a lot about the realms and Ed's career and gaming habits, check out the first interview he did with me on Gamer to Gamer. This time, Ed came on the show to talk about a hugely ambitious project he's launching. Ed created the Ed Greenwood Group to launch 15 new universes by the end of 2020 with the help of many, many of your favorite authors, game designers, and other creators. The first universe, Hellmaw, launches on Halloween of this year with a novel written by Ed himself. Every universe will put out a novel a month, and the universes cover everything from demons in the modern world to space operas to even erotica. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. All right, let's roll that interview with Ed Greenwood. All right, everybody, I am here with master storyteller Ed Greenwood. Ed, welcome back to Gamer to Gamer. How are you today? I'm fine. Thanks. Oh, it's excellent to have you. I love the Forgotten Realms, and I love all of the novels and things you have published for that world in the past, but I know we're also here to talk about some new developments you have going on, some new worlds that you have created and uh, are bringing to us, and I'm very excited that the Edverse has now grown. Um, so what can you tell me, uh, you know, we talked a little bit the last time you were here, but some of it you had to play a little closer, uh, and now it seems like we're about to bust this thing wide open. What can you tell me about what's going on in the Edverse these days? Uh, I'm not getting any younger. Guess what? Newsflash, <laughs> none of us is. I thought you and, had the power to do that. <laughs> well, yeah, no, unfortunately not. Um, I, I'm not a wizard. I just play one on television. No, yeah. <laughs> um, like everybody who's been um, working creatively for years and has been busy at it, you always get these weird ideas, these extra ideas, these sideline ideas. So you jot them down. That's how old I am. You jot them down. Um, um, nowadays, yes, I do open a file on the computer um, of a cool idea that I'll get to someday. <laughs> and um, I had a bunch of these ideas. And I thought, well, you know, I'm I'm going to die not having done any of these ideas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's let's have a go at it. And one of the things I've now done is started something that my minions insisted on calling the Ed Greenwood Group because they said we we can't leverage your name unless we call it the Ed Greenwood Group. So I said, oh, all right. <laughs> um, but okay, it's a collective, a creative salon, a a grouping of equals. Um, writers, artists, craft people, um, musicians, um, who can do everything from write novels about a world and illustrate the world to do TV shows and movies about the world, to make the costumes, um, that are used in the world, the jewelry. Um, if there are games played in the world, the fantasy world, they, they make the games and you can actually play them, all that stuff. There are 15 of them. These worlds, 13 of them mine, two of them settings developed by friends of mine, um, Folklore of the Affliction, which was um, a, starting as a, as a gorgeous board game done by Nino Sove and, and Will Donovan, mm-hmm. and um, Bridge World, which is a, a really cool, um, almost retro setting designed by my friend Stephen Shend, who, who's a longtime um, game designer. Um, those of you in the old days will remember him for the D&D Cyclopedia or Blood Wars, the, the card game from, from TSR back in the day. The, the other 13 settings are mine. And what they are is a chance for all of these creative people to get together as equals and play in a shared world. Ooh, I like it already. <laughs> yes. So 15 shared worlds. <laughs> and um, the first shared world is called Hellmaw. And the cut line for Hellmaw is, you are the food. And the whole idea of Helma is on our real modern Earth, 
there are demons living among us. Some of them have been living among us for centuries, thousands of years, but a whole flood of them have just been exiled from their home world onto Earth, like shoved through extra-dimensional gates and the gates slammed behind them two to three years ago because there was a civil war among the demons, and this is the losing side. And so they're all here on Earth. Some of them want to love us. Some of them want to rule us. Some of them want to kill us. Some of them want to eat us. Some of them just want to d- drain our life force. Or So a demon could be your friend and neighbor because they can all shapeshift. They can shape change and, and take on human form. And if they get a real, really good look at you, like for instance, if they're sitting there in a sauna naked and they can stare at you for 15 minutes, they can make themselves into an exact duplicate of you. If they just see you across the room... It'll just be like if you catch a glimpse of somebody across the room at the party, they might get a snapshot of your face, but they might not be too good at the rest of your body, you know, sort of thing. But they can all take human form, so they, and they can hide among us. So if you have a, a weird crackpot dictator of a small country somewhere in the world, that could be a demon. If you have the head of an intelligence agency for one of the world's superpowers, that could be a demon. If you um, met somebody at a club and they... They were really, really a good demon lover. Well, <laughs> that could be a demon. Oh, and no. so therefore, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the first Helma novel is called Your World is Doomed. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it and it comes out on Halloween. <laughs> the second one is called Dragon Dreams by Chris Jackson. It's a very, very different sort of Helma novel taking place largely in Boston and largely amongst the halls of academe researchers at a university. And that comes out in later in November. Then the third Helmont novel is called Blind Justice. And it's by Eric Scott to be. And it concerns an FBI profiler who deals with really gory mass murderers and all over America. And it's very, very raw, powerful book. And after that, in January, starting in January, there'll be one Helmont novel a month. The next one is Soul Larcenist by Suzanne Church. The one after that is Eye of Glass by Marie Bilodeau. Um, then we'll probably have the Incubus tweets. Then we'll probably um, by by Rob King, which is a really funny dark comedy sort of. And then there'll be um, Last Call by Rob St. Martin. Um, and the Helmont novels will just there are going to be at least eighty of them, oh eighty something. Goodness. Yeah, and they're just going to go boom, boom, boom out one a month. And then also one a month we'll have an ebook. The, the novels are are ebooks and they're hardcovers. And they're trade paperbacks. You can buy any format. You can buy them all. Please buy them all. Uh, but and the, but the, we'll, we'll also have what we call platters of surprises. <laughs> and these are ebooks only. And in a platter of surprises, you'll get an original short story by me. Oh, um, excellent! An original setting short story for so for the first eight months or so of 2016, there'll be only Helma short stories because that's the only setting we'll have out. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be serialized the first three chapters of a forthcoming novel so you can try without buying the whole novel Mm. oh one other thing newsflash for everybody (laughs) we're not a traditional publisher okay we're not publishing original works by by authors we're publishing stuff just in the settings and the other thing is we don't do the thing where we bring out a book there's a big splash we try and get on the new york times bestseller list and then we remain to the book and you can't get it anymore these will stay in print forever. So if you're thinking, one a month, my wallet isn't that fat, particularly <laughs> because we're going to add 14 more settings. So eventually there's going to be 15 of them a month. You know? Oh, my goodness. So you don't, you don't have to worry about catching them all this month mm-hmm. because you're not going to miss the book if you wait. It's always going to be available. Oh, and goodness. if you're at... If you if you find Helma, like if you if you you for some reason miss this show, um, <laughs> and, and, and you know you come to Helma six years from now mm-hmm. with you know a novel, the seventy fifth Helma novel or whatever, don't worry, all the previous ones are still available. You can read them. We will not take them away. So okay, that's the one thing. Now, one Helma novel a month, one plotter surprises with a an original short story a um, Helma short story and the first three chapters of a Helma novel serialized. So you can see what's coming. Then as time goes on, we'll have introductory short stories that set up a novel. 
Mm-hmm. So you, you'll you'll if you if a particular writer's writing grabs you, there'll be a when you read a short story in the platter of surprises, it's going to be a novel coming out in six months or less, and then um, so so you know what's coming up, and then in August we will add our second setting, which we're codenaming Pony Island Adventures. Ooh. It's a vast, sprawling fantasy setting, sort of like Middle Earth, sort of like the Forgotten Realms, but quite different as well. Um, this is a setting just to give you the big difference off the top, both in, in, um, middle earth and in the realms, there's powerful magic around in the realms. There are lots and lots of wizards in middle earth. There are only few wizards, but the magic they wield is very powerful in Pony Island. There are a bunch of priests who run their own kingdom, which is or realm, which is very, very pastoral. It's the breadbasket of the world. But it's very, very um, law and order, mm-hmm. smothering, suffocating control. If you can imagine, and I, I, this is a, a crude analogy, but um, if, you, if you think of Amish communities, right. okay, and an entire um, country like that, it's okay as long as you all behave the same way, you all dress the same, you all do the same things. It's a very simple life. It's ordered. And the priests are totally in control. They have magic. And they, thank goodness they have magic, because they are the only thing to stop the Hierophar. The Hierophar is this gigantic arch wizard, rules another kingdom, and he also wants to be the only powerful arch wizard in the world. So, if you can work spells, and somebody notices, and those spells are anything higher than minor healings and minor mending the door, or maybe smashing a window, you know, with a gesture... Um, anything more powerful than that, he has a hit team that shows up because he has spies everywhere. And the hit team says, hi, you now work for the Hierophar or you die Oh, on the spot. <laughs> so there are not lots of wizards wandering around this world. Or if they are, they're hiding what they are because the moment they reveal their true nature, it's work for me or die. So that's completely different mm-hmm. from, say, the Forgotten Realms. Or Galarian, or, <laughs> or, you know, just about every other large fantasy setting. So that's Pony Island. We add that in August on top of Helma. So in August, there will be a, a Pony Island novel. And okay. I think the first one is, oh, by me. And it's called Between My Usual Murders. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes on top of Helma. So there'll be a Helma novel in August and also be a Pony Island novel in Helma. In August, there'll still only be one platter of surprises. And by the way, if you don't buy and read ebooks, mm-hmm. the first three chapters of most of our novels will also be serialized in Amazing Stories magazine, huh. the classic science fiction magazine that Hugo Gernsback started back in 1925, the oldest of the science fiction magazines. It's still going, and it will be featuring the first three chapters of some of our novels. So if you like those first three chapters, you can say, okay. Now, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. In every setting, we have all sorts of creatives working. They will tell very different stories. And I deliberately encourage this. The first three Helmon stories, the first three Helmon novels are very different from each other. So you, if you think, oh, I don't think I want to read about demons. <laughs> well, it's going to be three very different takes on demons. That's going to happen in all of our settings. They're going Ooh. to be very, very different. So you can follow your favorite authors. And some of the authors I've got lined up are industry veterans, mm-hmm. and some of them have never been published professionally oh, at wow. novel length before. So they're getting their first chance. Now, let me very quickly run through the settings, sure. and then I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, okay. this is great. I'm okay, loving so this. The first one is Helma. Okay. The second one is Pony Island. Mm-hmm. The third one is Folklore the Affliction. This is the one I was telling you about that started as a game started by Nino and Will. Um, They're also going to be folklore, the affliction novels. And if you can imagine the Brothers Grimm fairy tales, you know, Hansel and Gretel, Baba Yaga, the Black Forest, Um, Mm -hmm. but they're horror. So, you know, werewolves and, you know, sinister stuff in the night. But it's also a PG-13 setting, okay? okay? So you won't be seeing evil, corrupt priests. You won't be seeing really graphic horror. Like disembowelments and blood everywhere. We're not into that for that setting. 
This is a classic ooh setting, and it's called Folklore the Affliction, and it will have a line of novels coming out. It starts, I believe, in December of 2016, so next December. Then we have an erotica setting called In So Deep, which is (laughs) medieval fantasy with sex magic. (laughs) And it's going to be very explicit, not for children. I should also probably warn everybody who's thinking of purchasing the first three Helma books. Hmm. None of them are for children either. (laughs) Although the the second one might pass muster with, you know, um, many readers, Chris Jack, because it's a far gentler approach, but the other Mm -hmm. two are really hard hitting. Sure. And I mean, it is called Hellbomb, right? Like we we should be expecting beasts from hell uh, (laughs) to be doing their thing. So (laughs) exactly. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. You can tell a Hellmoth story that's a laugh riot. You can tell a Hellmoth story that is the most gruesome, you know, pop your fangs into people's faces and rip them off and then eat them. You know, we can do that. That's Hellmoth. Let's say Hellmoth, Pony Island, Folklore of the Affliction, In So Deep, which is the erotica setting. And then we come to a steampunk setting starting in 1863 in our real world, except it's a different world Mm -hmm. where all sorts of Vest pocket duchies, imaginary countries that never really existed, or some of the ones that existed for a short time in Europe are going to exist for real in this setting. And this setting is not going to be just in Europe. It's going to range over the entire world. And what happens in for Wolf and Empire stories mm-hmm. is that a British inventor invents an airship. And the airship isn't just a dirigible. It's an actual ship of the line that you can sail the seas, but you can sail up into the air and still fire the cannons and everything. And this is going to revolutionize warfare and therefore the balance of power. So, of course, he takes it to the British Admiralty. And, of course, being the British Admiralty, they say, oh, nonsense, never, no, no. So he (laughs) flogs it to anybody who wants it, which starts an arms race. Mm. (laughs) And at the same time, what this spurs is the fact there is a race of lycanthropes who are living among humans because, of course, in human form, they just look like the rest of us. And they start to make a bid for power because they see that this airship is too important for them to stay hidden any longer. That's for Wolf and Empire. All over the globe, there will be stories told about fun adventures in this steampunk setting. Then there'll be another setting that we're still tinkering with, and that's Stephen Shen's Bridge World. And that's a I'm, not, I'm going to say almost nothing about that because it's a really cool setting that, that sort of monkeys with reality. And because it monkeys with reality, um, Stephen's tagline is, reality is a book that you've never been shown how to read yet. And because of that, I'm not going to say anything else about it because we are going to tease you with Bridge World <laughs> for a long time. Um, if you see something in one of our publications that uses the name Bulwark, B-U-L-W-A-R-K, Bulwark, mm-hmm. as in Bulwark Publishing, then you're seeing something to do with Bridge World. <laughs> um, in So Deep, for Wolf and Empire and Bridge World, they're all 2017 settings. Okay. And they just add a novel a month on top of the existing ones like a layer cake. Ooh. Then in 2018, starting right at the beginning of the year, comes Lost Princesses of Mars. <laughs> this is our space opera setting. Now, before all of you out there think that Lost Princesses are going to be ladies who wear bikinis and glass globes on their head and wander around with ray guns in the hard vacuum of space. No, no, no. The Princesses of Mars is a class of warships, spaceships entirely designed for war, mm. that have been lost when the Galactic Empire fell. And our stories begin when some mothballed and probably fairly intact lost Princesses of Mars class ships are found on a planet. And it starts, yep, another arms race amongst the various warring baronies that used to be the Galactic Empire. So that's our space opera setting. It'll be followed in March by another different sort of science fiction setting called the Great Galactic Game. This concerns a galaxy in which there is a huge decadent empire, so decadent that the um, young nobles of the empire and the the very fabulously wealthy non-nobles who run with them in the sort of jet set, 
they play this ongoing game of tag called the Great Galactic Game. People bet the Great Galactic Game just as they bet on real-world sporting events in our, our real modern world. For instance, the World Cup, you know, um, from, from soccer to uh, baseball to football, um, yeah. people bet on stuff. And they, they fervently follow – well, in the same way, they fervently follow individual players in this game. Now, this game is not supposed to be to the death or all that dangerous, although they've always been accidents where people have fallen will be <laughs> chased and so on. But all of a sudden, a lot of murders happen. And they, you can tell they, some of them were murders, not just accidental deaths. So somebody has turned the game deadly. And that's my mm-hmm. first novel, The Game Turns Deadly. So that's March of 2018. And then in June of 2018, we start another setting called Winter Night Towers. Winter Night Towers con- concerns a young lady. Well, the first book concerns a young lady called Amanda Winternight, who is trying to run her family's ancestral mansion, which is falling down, which is ancient, as a bed and breakfast. Mm-hmm. It's haunted. And it's one of those mansions where, hey, you know, um, hear the ghost in the, in the upper minstrels gallery, you know. Um, sleep in the bed that Queen Elizabeth I wa- might once have slept in for one night. Well, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. But it turns out that the bed and breakfast really is haunted, and there is a lot going on. And other Winter Night Towers books don't concern Amanda Winter Night. They concern haunted places mm-hmm. all over the world and all the goings-on that happen there. But it it's not just a straight horror setting because – the, I, I want Winter Night Towers to books to be sometimes funny, a lot scary, and to be the sort of romantic horror. You know all those gothic paperbacks that uh, we used to see a young lady in a nightgown out of doors holding up a lit candelabra peering around and there's a big, dark, haunted house behind her. And she's, for some crazy reason, she's outside wandering around trying to figure out who's been screaming or, you know, where the ghost Those sort of books. That's what Winter Night Towers is. I like that. Okay, and then we, we wait a year, and we come out with Death and Tentacles. And this setting concerns drab, wartime, or post-wartime, post-Second World War England, where everything's rationed. Mm-hmm. And the psychic branch of Scotland Yard is called in to investigate some strange murders. All of these murders take place in locked rooms, the locked studies of wealthy, erudite, men, usually men, um, who seem to have been murdered behind locked doors. And I think my first novel is called Locked In With Death. Yes. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, but they, usually somebody, one of these people who, who dies, has a visitor. And the visitor is somebody important. And it goes in to see them. And the door is closed and locked. And at some later time, the housekeeper or the butler or somebody has to break down that door and finds the person messily murdered and their visitor absolutely vanished. No sign of them whatsoever. What is going on? Well, the title, Death and Tentacles, should remind you of Thulu and other things <laughs> and should give you an idea of what's going on. So that launches in July of 2019. And then in September of 2019 comes our hard science fiction set- setting called Under Deadly Stars. Mm-hmm. Now, Under Deadly Stars... As, as much as possible, we are going to be true to science. And, and this is, you know, we want well-researched, heavy-duty science fiction. But the, the setup is, this is a galaxy in which um, there is a gem world. And the gems are not just sparkly things that look nice. They're actually used in communications all over okay. the galaxy. They, they, and there are four gem lords who have subjugated the population of a fifth world where all the gems are found to mine the gems. And everybody who lives on the gem world spends their life mining until they die, which is usually pretty soon because it's a hard life of mining. And somebody who is descended from those people, but who is not trapped on the gem world decides to get his revenge on the gem lords. So that's the beginning kickoff, and that'll be in my first novel and some of the ones that follow. But the wider pattern is, as the gem lords start to lose their grip on power, stars begin to blow up without warning. As in, 
suns explode, incinerating all the planets in their solar system and everybody on them, <laughs> all over the galaxy at random, which is why it's called Under Deadly Stars. Mm-hmm. And first of all, everybody is trying to figure out why and how this is happening. Secondly, everybody is trying to survive by getting the heck away from a, a star, but you can't stay away from stars forever. Mm-hmm. You know, the centers of all the warmth and energy and so on. And thirdly, the balance of power is shattered. We can tell adventure stories. And that's under deadly stars. Then we go to November of 2019 with a setting called Cats Run or Die. Okay, imagine James Bond. <laughs> okay. Imagine female James Bond. So like Modesty Blaze and stuff like that. Okay. 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 So imagine now we make that with our modern real world's jet set artsy. So imagine that we have very elegant women, a bunch of them who are all bitter rivals of each other, who are buyers, those people who invest in international art. So the people who invest are sitting at home or in their corporate offices or wherever they are, living their lives. And when a a particular auction comes up, this Mm -hmm. um, woman they trust, who is their agent, who has been sitting there um, with her cell phone, letting them examine the art close up through her phone's camera, um, now takes their bids as okay. an auction goes on. Well, what happens in the setup to this, we, we look over the shoulder of one particularly gorgeous, bitchy, glamorous um, <laughs> art buyer, okay. and she notices something that turns her life upside down. Because she has a client who doesn't think that this painting that she's trying to interest them in is really by the artist that it's purported to be by. They want to examine the signature close up. So she, you know, she has access to this painting, which is on display before the auction. So she brings her camera right up to, so they, so they can, they're her phone. She's holding it up to the painting so they can get a really good look at the signature. Mm -hmm. And she notices from one day to the next, from that examination for the signature, to when the painting is on display and the auction is beginning, that something in the painting has changed. Hmm. Something that was painted in the scene is different from when she looked at it the night before. And she makes the mistake of mentioning this out loud beside another glamorous female art buyer. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> the auction goes ahead, everything's fine, and from that moment on, Everybody's trying to kill them. All sorts of mysterious people that they have never met before are trying to kill them, and they start to flee, both of them. Both of these women are um, seemingly on the hit list of everybody who's got a fast car or a gun or whatever, and we're going to discover the reason why. So it's going to be Jets, that international espionage. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Yeah. So then we jump to the, the year 2020 and a setting called Against the Mask, which starts in May of 2020. So now we take you back to early America, as in George Washington is president. There is no um, Capitol Hill. Right. Congresses are held every so often. And the second Congress is about to be held in Philadelphia. This is, you know, real history for, for Americans. I am not <laughs> one, but I'm Canadian, but never mind. For I'm Americans, from the Philly like area, so I, yeah. I understand for sure. Yeah, okay. Sure. Well, we're, we're Now, what if there was a conspiracy to kill the people who showed up for mm-hmm. the Congress? Not all of them, but just mm-hmm. the ones you don't like. And why would that be? Because let's say you are wealthy and on top in America at that time. Sure. You know a strong central government is going to start restricting your powers because they're going to pass laws. They're going to have a central bank. They're going to have all sorts of laws for how you can do business. They're going to be taxing you right, left, and center. Um, it's at this time in our real world in which the Secret Service was started. They would like to not have any of these things. <laughs> now, not all of them are like this. And certainly a lot of the, the it's important people on top, businessmen, if you remember um, Washington Irving's Legend of Sleepy Hollow, remember he had the Van Tassels, of course. The, his local family? Well, imagine a bunch of local squirearchies like the Van Tassels, okay? And it seems that there's a secret society amongst them known as the Mask. Now, oh. George Washington used to be a general, you know, back in the day before there was a, uh, 
um, the United States when they were fighting for independence. He was you know, the, the general. Well, he has a bunch of former scouts who worked for him mm-hmm. when he was general. And some of them are now his agents. They're sort of his fetch and carry, undercover, deal with problems agents. They're not the envoys. They're not the public ambassadors of him or the, 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 the nascent government. They are the fixers, the boys who go in and take care of things. And we follow their stories in Against the Mask. Yes. And then <laughs> and in November of 2020, <laughs> Death Helm. Which is a fantasy setting. Imagine, okay, Im- imagine that you are royalty in a kingdom, and you go down fighting. You die. Except suddenly, you awaken out of oblivion. Oh. You're in the royal crypt, and there's a wizard bending over you. And he's going to give you a choice be- between death for good or serving as a royal champion. You will be dead, undead. You will be inside the armor. You will never take the armor off. And you will serve your country. Imagine if you say yes to that choice. Then you have joined the Death Helms. Yeah, I don't want to give the wrong impression. It doesn't mean there's a big club called the Death Helms. It means you are now (laughs) Death Helm. And you are usually on your own. Sometimes there are other royal guardians in your particular realm. But the point is, you are undead. And you have this weird sort of charisma. The living are fascinated by you. I don't mean that this means that every member of the opposite gender who, who sees you wants to madly tear off your armor. And it's not that sort of attraction, although it could be in some cases, but it's just that you have a charisma. The living are fascinated by you. So it's a different sort of undead. And that's in November of 2020. And it's sort of medieval fantasy in, a, in another you know, imaginary world with its own feuds and so on. And then <laughs> we go to... December of 2020 with Swords and Shadows. Mm. Swords and Shadows takes place at a medieval fair in our modern world, which is sort of like the SCA, the Society of Creative Anachronism, and sort of like Renaissance fairs. Mm-hmm. And it's a um, King Arthur's fair. And King Arthur's fair has a, a tavern called the Drunken Dragon in the center of the fairgrounds. And after the mundanes go home every day, every day and the gates are closed, all the weary performers go to the drunken dragon to have dinner and drink and chat and fall asleep. And certain members of the fair start getting murdered. Oh. <laughs> and that's the first novel. <laughs> now, that will set up a big change in the fair, all of those murders. Right. will change the fair from being a stationary thing to something that travels all over America, to fictitious rural locations all over America. But somehow the murders and the problems aren't going to stop. And those are Swords and Shadows novels. (laughs) So those are the settings for right now. We have another three or four settings up our sleeves. But at the moment, we have 10 years cataloged out, well over 500 novels, 15 settings, Mm -hmm. and... The other thing is, each one of these settings will have a lore lord or lore guardian, gotcha. and we'll have an art director. So the, if anything happens to me, if anything happens to any of the writers in it, there is a team in place to keep the setting going. So if you fall in love with Star Wars, if you fall in love with Star Trek, if you fall in love with Middle Earth, if you fall in love with Name Your Fantasy setting or your science fictional setting. We want to build settings like this in which you can feel at home, in which you can visit whenever you want, that will always be there for you. And it will be a sensorium of creative equals creating stuff in the setting. And certain of the things that we create, like, say, the costumes, will be in response to things you want as a consumer. We won't make it if you don't want it. Or if... We come up with a game in a setting and only 10 people want it. They will be handmade by artisans somewhere and they will cost a bomb. But if 100 people make it, they, won't, they will be a, a regular release game and they'll be you know, middling expensive. And if thousands of you want it, then it'll be a game that is much less expensive because we can mass produce them. Mm-hmm. And that's the other thing. As well as games that are in the settings, card games, dice games, um, 
I've got some other sorts of games coming. Um, there will also be role-playing game adventures helmed by Stephen Shand, but written by all sorts of people in all of our settings. Wow. So, and, and they won't necessarily be huge, long storylines. Sometimes they will, but you know, we've got the novels for that. What they will be is useful little one-shot or short adventures that you could plug into your own ongoing role-playing campaign. So if you want to do something like uh, For Wolf and Empire Romp to uncover werewolves while somebody tries to steal an airship, there would be a For Wolf and Empire adventure. If you want a sort of highwayman, you know, somebody robs a stagecoach, that could be a For Wolf and Empire adventure, or it could be an Against the Mask adventure. Oh, wow. So are those uh, are those all going to be on a shared system? Are they system neutral so you can play them with any system that you want? Um, how how is that going to work? Those role playing games. Ah, well, we're going to call them Quick Blade. Okay. And at the outset, they're going to be as setting neutral as we can make them. Wow. And as we develop things, our plan is to develop as a sort of creative commons a very simple role playing game rule system. Mm. Now, Steve and I both have played with all sorts of ideas for what we want to have in a very simple role-playing. And the, the reason I say very simple is Dine in the Wool gamers can use the system they're already most uh, in favor of. Sure, sure, yeah. You know, what they're used to, whether it's it's Savage Worlds or D&D 3.5 or Pathfinder or 5th or Edition or 2nd Edition or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want something where if you don't have a role player in the family and the whole family just wants to play a simple game, in theory, they can sit down and play a game without being taught by somebody, without spending hours going through rule books. It's, it'll be like very simple storytelling, a step up from what we used to call choose your own adventure. We'll be able to sit down and realize you're playing an adventure and you may, are making moral choices and you're making practical combat choices. <laughs> And therefore participating in an adventure, but without being overwhelmed by the rules. But we want to develop the Quick Blade rules um, in consultation with gamers who are fans and in consultation with all of our Sessoria members. We want it to be something that grows over time. But yes, it will start as edition neutral, as as edition neutral as we can make it, um, because we want to focus on plot and story. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that I personally was most dismayed about is when rule system after rule system got to various editions and presentations of the game in which there were pages and pages and pages of stat blocks. <laughs> and although they were necessary for that rule system, mm-hmm. they just made my eyes glaze over number one. And number two, I thought I'm paying for all the stuff that is going to be meaningful just once. Give me story. Mm-hmm. Give me the intrigue, give me the reason why we're having this yelling match and we're about to pull our swords out. Um, because if I know the reasons behind it, 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 it's like, it's like, and I'm going to stereotype here on gender grounds. It's about the difference between a master cook following a cookbook, mm-hmm. and a guy who's never cooked before who wants to be taught how to cook, right. which is why, which is why somebody like Alton Brown on TV is so good for guys because he explains this is why we brown something. This is why we blanch something. This is what we are trying to do to accomplish with these things. Instead of just saying, make sure you frappe at da, 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 and, and only three minutes and remember the bowl should be warm. Why should the bowl be warm? Tell me, what am I trying to do with the food? What am I trying to Okay, so that's what we want <laughs> in the role-playing adventures. You know, what happens here? What What is... You know, if if I'm facing the Black Baron and the Black Baron is sneering at me, what is he trying to get out of this? Because that way, I as the game master can figure out anything that happens, on no matter what crazy things the player characters do, because I know what the Baron wants to get out of this. So I know how he'll react. I've got guidelines in front of me. He will try and save his skin, or he's going to sacrifice himself for the best, the good of the kingdom. He doesn't care if he fights to the death, you know, or whatever it is my guidelines will be there. So it's mainly about story, not about, oh, make sure that you find out how many hit points the Baron has. Oh, sure, which is great. I mean, like you said, 
you know, there's plenty of rules for calculating mechanics and, and that kind of thing. I feel like when I sit down to play a new game, that's what I crave too, you know, is what's the story here? What's the story I can tell with this game? Not necessarily, how do I determine how to swing a sword, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, now, when we start, these, these quick played adventures are going to be short little things you can drop in, like a, a two or three hour encounter or an evening's play. Nice. It, it's going to take us a little longer to get around to the, okay, this is a 15 part adventure path. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we, there are people in the Sasorium who have been designing role-playing games since their, the role-playing game industry started. Okay. So there are people here who um, grew up on, you know, the giant modules, the drow modules, and then queen of the demon wood pits. They understand a big, long story arc. They can do that. To begin with, we want to give you the Lego blocks, the tinker toys, the bits and pieces and nuts and bolts that you can just drop into something that's already going. Or you could begin if you've never role-played before and you really think this for Wolf and Empire thing that you just read is cool. Let's try role-playing that. Somebody's going to try and stop the stagecoach. And on the stagecoach is not just the Duchess with all her pearls, but the guy with the monocle beside her is actually secretly the envoy of so-and-so, and he's got some stolen airship plans Wow! on wow. the inside of his waistcoat. <laughs> that's really, I mean, that's awesome. And I have, I have so many questions, because what's cool is those stories can lead to even bigger stories when people have huge imaginations, right? Um, and it sounds like you are, you have this, very ambitious rollout plan, and you're gonna build it. It sounds almost like, uh, you know, like comic books. You know, they're you're gonna be getting one from every universe every month. Uh, so my question about all of this, thinking, keeping that comic book idea in mind, you said that each universe is gonna have its own sort of lore bible and its own, uh, I guess, editor in chief, if you will, to mm-hmm. uh, to look after the continuity and the stories that are going on there. Um, so is this going to be, I guess, for lack of a better comparison, will this be sort of like the realms in that if I want to read about the realms, I can read every book. But if I'm really interested in what's going on with Elminster or Drizzt, I can follow just one author, uh, you know, each of these universes. Is that sort of the idea? Oh yeah. 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 Um, we will be having a sort of building wikia, Mm -hmm. um, for each setting. Sure. sure. Um, at Onder Librum, you will see as, as bits and pieces of lore are contributed by various creators in their books or in their, in their games, like a, a new recipe for a new food or a new poison or something like that. Um, it will be added to the stuff everybody can use. But yes, you as a consumer can follow people, individual creators, if you want. Um, at underlibrum.com, which is our sort of core website for all of this. Boys and girls, underlibrum, O-N-D-E-R-L-I-B-R-U-M.com, underlibrum.com. Um, <laughs> each setting, like, um, we've just debuted Helma already, so it's up at the setting, um, up there on the website right now. November 1st, Pony Island will go up. November okay. 2nd. Folklore, and one a day for the first half of November, we will bring you, we'll be putting all the setting stuff online. Now, what that means is you might get some fragmentary maps. You'll be getting lots of details of people, places, and things, magic, stuff like that. There will be some deep lore secrets that are hidden away behind a password, which are just for the creatives so that it doesn't ruin the story for the rest of us. You know, so the secrets that will be revealed in the book slowly over time. But everything else you will be able to read and reference. And one of the things we plan to do is have the bit of the catalog that is to do with that setting also up there. So you can read down and say, oh, in February of 2018, there will be, well, actually, I'm making this up because there won't be because it doesn't launch till the next month. But (laughs) there will be a great galactic game novel by so-and-so. So in theory, you can follow your individual favorite writers mm. through the settings. Now, the other thing, of course, is there are, we don't want it to be any great secret 
what people are working on once we've done the rollouts and reveals. So every single Sasorium member is encouraged to Facebook, tweet, have their own web page and talk about, you know, what they're working on. Um, one of the things you'll be able to do at Onder Librem is hopefully eventually we'll have pages up for each Sasoria member and you can, you can read about all their stuff, not just the stuff they do in our settings, but all of their own works. And then there'll be a link you can click and go to Amazon and buy their own stuff that has nothing to do with our settings, but it's all there. And then if you read something by author A and something by author B, say in the same platter of surprises, one of them's got a short story, one of them's got their first three chapters, and you go, oh, I sort of like author B as well as author A, you can then click, see all their stuff and go, oh, so two months they'll have a book out in this setting oh and here they've already written all this other stuff themselves oh i can go check it out mm -hmm. <laughs> so it, it, it's all about sort of creating a community where creators will feel welcome like they're sitting there it, it's sort of like the 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 online equivalent of a of, of a nice family tavern gotcha. where all the creators are sitting around and you can come in as a fan as a reader as a as a consumer and sit down with them huh. and hang out with them, see what they're doing, and you can get your fix of setting lore, of you know whatever setting you're, you're, um, uh, uh, that really turns your crank. There'll be, there'll be some free stuff up on Underleapen. There'll be the maps. Um, as, I, as I've said before, anybody who's a gamer who never intends to buy any of the stuff can go to Underleapen and just swipe the maps and use them for their own fantasy campaign. You know, that's, that's fine. <laughs> you know, it's it's awesome because you, you sort of wonder, uh, as far as storytelling goes, like, where does someone who has created a whole world that has lasted so long like the Forgotten Realms go after that? And the answer is you create an entire multiverse. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I create an entire multiverse that should outlast me, that should, everybody should have fun playing it. It sounds like it, it's going to be a lot of fun to play in, to read in, to hear the stories, to see the products that are coming out around this. Um, you know, uh, this is uh, something clearly you've had uh, on your mind for a long time. It's clearly taken a lot of planning to get something like this done. You have a, a rollout slate right now that goes beyond, you know, the, the Marvel and DC cinematic movies right now. <laughs> Oh yeah, well they're just you know multi multi uh, national corporations. Uh, I have three guys here, <laughs> three whole guys. No, 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 and and, and some of them are girls. No, <laughs> no, no. It's it's we have ambitious plans because if you are if you're going to do this, why not do it right? It's not a case of go big or go home. It's a case of we don't want to do the same thing that. All of the publishers have done and done to us in the past. We want to do something different. We want to do it this way. Wouldn't it be nice if it worked this way? And that's what we're trying to build. And if it takes forever and if it <laughs> consumes the rest of our lives, so be it. <laughs> um, it is a, the other thing and the most gratifying thing is I get to play with a lot of friends that I made over the years in the, in the gaming industry, in the writing industry. I get to play with new friends and make new friends and give them their chance to get into print. Oh. This is all about fun. And it's all about um, doing something together and just having fun doing it. It's, um, for some of, it, uh, some of us, I suppose it is about making money. But I mean, um, anybody who, who thinks they're going to get rich writing, well... Maybe if they're writing legal briefs, but <laughs> most of us, you know, the you could do anything, just about anything from digging ditches and graves on, on, on up that will make you more money than writing. You do write and create because you must and because you love doing the writing and creating. And it is truly exciting to think, okay, I can write this scene in which somebody's wearing special arm bracers and playing uh, an imaginary game I just made up and somebody will make the bracers and you'll be able to buy them and somebody will make the game and you'll be able to play it for real, you know, on your kitchen table. Um, that's the fun, cool stuff that, and the chance to work with all of these other people. 
Wow. So if people want to find out more, if people want to get involved, where should they go? What should they do? Mm, well, you can go to theadverse.com because that's easier to remember. Just remember there are two E's in a row. The ends with an E and Ed starts with an E. So it's theadverse.com. And that at the moment will lead you to underlibrum.com. Underlibrum.com is where um, most of the stuff is going to be. And I've neglected to mention a whole cool bit of things that will be going on at Underlibrum. We will have podcasting radio stuff. We will have music. We will be having television and movies eventually, I hope. Um, and all of this stuff will be hosted at Ander Libra. And they will all to do with the settings. Nice. So if you like this particular world setting, we will try to get it to you in all sorts of different formats. Because it's really about you and the formats that you want to enjoy the imaginary world in. It's not about us. Um to some extent at the beginning, we're limited by our resources. You know, I'm sorry, we cannot print that book on marzipan pages so you can eat every page. <laughs> we just can't do it and get it to you. It'll be stale or it'll have spoiled or it'll have crumbled and fallen apart. Or some customs guy at a border will say, oh, no, no, you can't bring your marzipan in here. I'll have to eat that. Uh, you know, <laughs> um, but but over the, the longer period, it's all about if you want to see – a Helma TV show. If you want a Helma book, if you want Helma bendable hand puppets, um, <laughs> then then it's what you want that should come first, and we will should try and find a way to get it available for you. Mm-hmm. It's it's about what allows you to engage with the imaginary world and fall in love with it and spend time there the way you want. And it's also about creative people and the outlets they get so that they can play the way they want. <laughs> so if 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 writer X has spent her entire life writing romance books, mm-hmm. but she would really like to write a book with a really nasty battle scene in it, and she would like that battle scene to have fife music playing in the background, which she would like to compose, and which she would like to have out there as a recording, either something that you get for free on Onder so you can listen to it in your headphones while you're reading that fight scene and the author will do a little YouTube clip or a little, it'll actually be hosted at Onder, but also on YouTube. <laughs> so, you know, okay, when you get to page 51, start playing this because I want this playing in the background while you're reading this scene. Or perhaps you can buy it as an MP3 or a whole album of stuff. That is the thing that we're aiming at, the, the way of integrating the interconnectedness of all things so that we can immerse you in a fantasy world. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to be able to pull all that off in short order, but it means that's what we're working towards. So if there's something that turns your crank, if you want to have Helma perfumes, if you want to have Helma bread, there's actually something in Helma called Syndra, which, oh, wow. um, which is um, something that looks and feels sort of like pepper to us. But... <laughs> demons it's an aphrodisiac and you will be able to buy syndra stuff and you'll be able to find out a lot more about the syndra cartel that's lurking oh i can't say any more about that or they'll come for me um, but but i mean there's stuff like that that we're building into every setting oh we're going to be having fun there are going to be toys both adult and children's that you can buy there's going to be well i mean, okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that you can buy. No, it's not about all about that. It's about you guys having fun in the setting. If you fall in love with one of these settings, if you fall in love with all 50 mm-hmm. of them, please fall in love with them. No, <laughs> um, we intend for this to be a lifelong journey that you can step back from the party at any time. If you're busy with, with real-world stuff, life, work, having kids, raising a family, whatever, don't worry. It will still be here when you're ready, have time and money to step back into it. We will be there for you. And if you want it to be something where, oh, I'm tired. Oh, it's been a heck of a day or a heck of a week. Oh, let's just go read a few pages of Helma. It will, there will always be a few new pages of Helma there written by somebody there for you to step into. Wow, that sounds awesome. I can't wait for this to come out. And it's coming out uh, next week, right? Halloween? Halloween, the first novel comes out. Nice. Your world is doomed. The it's world just- is doomed. Written by you. 
written by me. The it's first just in the tip Helmo. of the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> just the first one. A huge iceberg. <laughs> yes. And, and um, because um, write what you know, I happen to have grown up in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. There are bits of Toronto that people may never walk through the same way again after reading that book. <laughs> well, I can't wait for this to come out, Ed. I, there's so much that uh, that we could keep talking about, but I know uh, we're close to running down the clock here. Uh, is there anything else before you go that's super important that we haven't got to that you'd like to mention? Oh, well, um, just that, that I haven't given up on the realms. I haven't stopped doing Kickstarters and, and playing with other people in their fictional worlds. I'm working with Necromancer Games, um, and um, look look forward for something to do with the North and Vikings and Valhalla. And and I'm also um, working on Robert Schwab is doing Shadow of the Demon Lord, and I work on something there. I, I want to do something. Um, B. J. Hensley has a has a children's project. I'm interested in that. And Robert Marks and I are still working on uh, the Eternity Quartet, which is a bunch of linked short stories that go from cavemen to the end in a world that is sometimes suspiciously like ours and sometimes very different. And that's, that's E short stories only out on the net by them at Amazon called eternity quartet. And they're great fun. And I'm looking forward to, um, welcoming Rob Barks, um, my co-writer in that and his brother and his mother who are already, the two of them are both already Cesorian members and they're going to be writing for us in the Ed Greenwood group setting. So, um, <clears throat> It never ends. Wow. It really does. How do you have the time to do all of this? I don't sleep. <laughs> Except when I'm driving the car. No, okay, don't, I didn't say that. No, <laughs> um, no, no. I, 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 I can't, have been blessed with the ability to write and design at top speed. Um, because of this, people uh, exploit it. And because of this, I get a lot done. But, but um, no, for me, um, the next few years, I think I have to write something like, 40 novels in the next four years. Wow. Yeah. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> Plus yeah. Short stories and. <laughs> oh uh, yes, that's right. I have to write my Christmas story. Uh, I write a Christmas story every year. Um, and yeah, it's getting about time, isn't it? Um, oh, and I'll, I'll be at game hole con in November. So and that's the one thing that's had to suffer. Um, but that's largely my wife's health. It's I've had to cut back on my convention appearances, but I will make it out to game hole for a few hours on the Saturday this year. I'm really looking forward to that. Although, you know, for me, it's going to be plane, plane, game hole. Hello, plane, plane, home. But, <laughs> but, um, but, but it's worth it to get to hang out with my friends, my fellow gamers, and the people who will be hosting me at game hole. Because that's what this is all really all about. It's a chance to play with your friends. Most of us play with our friends when then we're young kids, and then life gets too busy we may bump into our friends for five minutes and say, oh, how, how are you doing? Hey, what, what's going on? Da, 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 da. Oh, oh, I'm sorry to hear your, your, your father died or your mother died. Or, oh, and so he has cancer? Oh, that's too bad. Da, da, da. Well, I'll see you around. You know, I want to go on playing with people. You don't have to stop playing just because you grow older. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want a chance where you get to hang out. You know, the, that, that's the, that thing about Cheers, you know, where everybody knows your name. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, it's not that everybody knows your name. It's that it's a place where you can come in, sit down, and relax. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it is great uh, to see people at cons who you don't get to see any other time in the year and hang out with your friends and play some games and have a great time. And recharge the creative batteries, right? For uh, That's it. Yeah, yes, exactly. you got it. That's yeah. exactly some of my friends at my Gen Con friends, I don't even know their names. I just smile and wave at them every year. <laughs> I shake their hands. We talk about stuff. Or I go and buy stuff at their booths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they are my friends that I see once a year. And I go back there and it reassures me that life is going on and fellow nerds who are excited by the same things as me are there. I'm not alone and the world is good. And yeah. The one thing I do not want to ever have to do is visit the convention center in downtown India at some time when Gen Con isn't on. Because I want to pretend to myself that that's always there and always going on. Because it makes me think the world is a brighter place. And it's just that here's my one chance a year to go there. So every year I get to go there. 
I want to think it's going on all the time. And of course it is. It's just going on in individual um, basements and living rooms and, you know, um, places where people gather all over the world. I just want to pretend that it, the, there's a big party going on all the time. And that's what also what the Ed Greenwood Group is about, putting together that big party, maybe online, but that big party all the time. And so we can reach out to you wherever you are, however lonely you are, however isolated you are, the, the, the party expands to take you in. Wow. Whenever you have the moment to sort of run down the hall, open the door, you can step into the party. I certainly agree with your philosophy about it being a big party, and I'm glad that you are throwing an enormous party across 15 different universes for all of us. Um, this is uh, this has been incredible and amazing. Uh, so thank you very much for being on Gamer to Gamer today. If people want to check out anything you talked about, they can check out the show notes for this episode over at thetomeshow.com, where we will link everything we've talked about, and people can get a jump on all things adverse uh, so that, uh, you know, they can enjoy 15 wonderful worlds by the end of the year 2020. It's going to be great. Yeah, it is. Thank you very much for having me. This has been fun. I just got to, like, wag my chin about the, my cool thing I'm working on, and it is so much fun. <laughs> well, and you are welcome back anytime to talk about this, to talk about Forgotten Realms, to just talk about life if you want. Okay. I, I could listen to you talk all day. You have the gift of gab. Oh, okay. <laughs> I need to sell you some socks. No. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you very much for being here today, Ed. People, if you have a question or comment about the show, you can reach out to me on Twitter at James Intricasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Or you can leave us a comment on the Tome Show's website, thetomeshow.com. Or head over to facebook.com slash thetomeshow and talk to us there. And a quick shameless plug for me, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age. It's the 5th edition D&D world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks to Ed for being on the show. Many thanks to Jeff Greiner and to Sam Dillon. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support this show. Remember, never give up. Life is a game. Eventually, you've got to roll a 20.